Hello, Gachimonas. I am really excited to be bringing you episode eight of season five. This episode is an interview with Stephanie Brewer, who is the executive director of the Newtown Development Corporation and Community Land Trust. We, she explains the benefits of home ownership, breaks down how community land trust can help marginalized people build equity, and laments the difficulties of obtaining community land trust properties in competition with large investment firms. If you remember, I talked about community land trust with housing activist Roxy Valenzuela, and that was the first time that this type of property ownership was known to me. And so I wanted to get more into it. And I wanted to find out more about what this looks like in Arizona. So I hope that you all enjoy this interview. I wanted to say thank you to the Cachimbona Apoyadora who uh, Araceli Rivera Cohen, who just became an annual patron, woo, which means that she has pledged to support the podcast for a whole year. I really recommend that pledge because actually you do get a little bit of a discount when you do that. And it's just, it, it's kind of the, the ultimate way to know and feel secure about the support for the podcast. So Araceli Rivera Cohen, thank you so much. And wanted to say that a way that you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron supporter. You, you can give differing amounts between three and $10 a month. And if you give $5 a month, then you get access to early access to episodes like these and also exclusive access to the season five lit reviews and all the whole back catalog of lit reviews. The lit reviews are book club style chats with fierce women of color. And I think there's always something there in the lit review for any Lucochumbana listener. So would definitely recommend doing that. But I know that there that these economic times are difficult and that you still want to support, but can't do so monetarily right now. There are lots of ways that you can support. Um, number one, by leaving an Apple podcast review, it helps the podcast gain visibility. And there's, as I said before, currently no 2022 review. Can't think of anything that's breaking my heart more right now, honestly. And Spotify also recently unveiled a feature where you can leave podcast ratings um, there. So please also leave reviews there. Anywhere else you listen to podcasts, leave a review sharing why you listen to the podcast. And um, otherwise, I think that that is it. Okay, I hope that you all enjoy this episode. Bye.
Aloka Chimbonas. Today, I am very excited to have Stephanie Brewer, the Executive Director of the Newtown CDC CLT. And we're going to be talking about affordable housing in Arizona. But before we get started, I just wanted to thank you, Stephanie, for coming onto the podcast and ask how you're doing today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, and I am very excited to be here today. Great. So to start off, can you paint us a picture of what needs to be improved about affordable housing in Arizona? So there's a few there's a few things, um, and I will say there's probably top four. So the top one, of course, is funding. Uh, that's going to be the top of everybody's list. <laughs> is um, you know more money to do what we do. Uh, affordable housing is not cheap. And it's not cheap to create. And so when I talk about money, it's very large sums of money, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the millions. You know, this we're not, you know, like a direct service provider that 10,000 goes a long way. Um, in our business, 1 million might get the job done. So when, when I talk about funding, I'm talking about very large sums of funding. And then land. You know, we, we need land to develop on. And if an affordable housing developer has to buy the land, it is therefore unaffordable. Um, because we need to get the costs out of, uh, we need to get the land costs out of the project or we can't sell it at an affordable rate. Uh, the third- yeah, I was, I was going to ask about the money. When you say money, do you mean money going to construction, money going towards buying land plots, or is really, it different things? No, it really, it would be to the nonprofit for construction Got um, okay. or, or purchase. Um, right now, it's, it's a hot thing for cities to be buying uh, old motels to use as a homeless shelter. So mm. even that, so it could be purchasing property, purchasing current buildings or building new buildings. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got it. I just wanted that clarified because you're, you're also saying that on top of getting more money funneled towards your nonprofit for construction, also what needs to change is the market value at which land is purchased, at least by developers. Yes. Yes. And, you know, for-profit developers can put the land cost into their market rate projects. And that is what makes it market rate. But we can't, we, and I use we in a broader term of affordable housing developers, Mm -hmm. uh, we, it does not work in our pro forma to have to buy the land and then it drives the price up and then we need more money to subsidize um, our units so, so when cities own land, uh, it makes the most sense for the cities to then RFP the land to affordable housing developers um, and not market rate developers because they can afford land in any scenario. Okay. What is RFP? Oh, request for proposals. Okay. So what yeah. is that? And then that, so that would be something that would be sent to your nonprofit, for example. Yes. Yes. So the cities, when they have land, um, when they have just dirt and they want to get something developed on it, they send out a request for proposals kind of out into the universe. It comes from their procurement department and it's asking for what would you do on this land if we were able to give, give you the land? 
And okay. then we all come back and have our answers. And then the city picks the one that's that's the best for that parcel. Affordable housing should always be the priority right. for city land. Okay. I see. I see. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So can you then explain what a community land trust is and why it's beneficial in trying to solve the housing crisis? So um, this is how community land trust works for Newtown. Um, Every community land trust is a little bit different um, because it's very heavy on the community part of it. Mm. So, you know, what's nice is that you can make it what works in your community um, for your residents. So uh, Newtown is uh, 27 years old. (laughs) Um, We've been around for a long time. We're the largest um, and oldest uh, CLT in the state of Arizona. Mm. Uh, We have 160 units throughout Maricopa County. And so what we do is we go buy houses off the market. They're for sale on MLS. Uh, We have to compete with, with everybody else right now and feeling it. And we buy the house off the market. We rehab it, and then we resale it to a low-income family or individual. So what the grant money that I was talking about covers that difference. It covers the difference between the amount that we put into the house and what we could sell and what we sold it for. But that grant money stays with the land. So we sell the home to a buyer that is arbitrary of market. It is what they can afford. And we work with our housing counselors to to figure that out. Mm -hmm. But then when they go to sell the house, we use an equation to to create the purchase price. So what happens is when they sell the house, we buy it back from them always for the price that they paid for the house and 25% in the increase in appreciation. Mm -hmm. So we have, when they sell the house, we have the house appraised at that point too. So we take the original appraisal when they bought the house, the new appraisal, and they get 25% of that increase. What they also get is all their equity. So when we buy it back for what they paid for it, mm-hmm. they you know have been paying on the mortgage now for the entire time that they've lived there. So they get their equity back too. What we're okay. finding right now is that um, we ran kind of a an average, and on average, when we buy the houses back on the equity on the uh, appreciation side, our homeowners are leaving with about thirty two thousand mm. dollars. So it does it, it does build wealth, and it, and it does build um, family wealth. Uh, so we can then recycle to another family. So because we bought it back at under market, we, we then resell it. Mm. So we have three houses right now that are on their third buyer. And the house remained affordable for all of those three buyers. Mm. So, so that's the community land trust model where the t- typical model that had been used before is just the down payment assistance model where mm-hmm. somebody gets you know 35,000 to help them buy a house. And then in 15 years, it's forgiven, and then they can sell the house at market rate. Mm. And then it's not affordable to anybody else. So right. that was just affordable to them, and then it just disappears. So the, the CLT model allows, you know, keeps it affordable in perpetuity. 
And you said that this is a mechanism that is helping families accumulate wealth because they, if they decide to sell the house and to leave, then they gain the equity that they put into it and 25% appreciation. But in traditional settings, wealth is accumulated by having the land title and then passing that down to future generations. So what happens if a family doesn't move and they just stay on the land? Are they able to, for example, give the house to their future, their their children? Yes, there is a clause for that. So what what we account for is if um, somebody had been living in the house with the owner and like, let's say a child Mm -hmm. um, and then the owner, the owner dies, that house just reverts to the child that was living in the house. Somebody was already living there. Um, We just change who the owner is. Um, The other scenario is if their child does not live in the house with them, um, but does want to keep the house, at that point, they would have to income qualify too. Okay. So we've most of our, when we've had that situation and we have had that situation, I think twice in the last six, six years. So it doesn't happen often. One of the children decided to sell it back to us and then she took the proceeds. Okay. Um, and so she was, her, her mom still built her wealth. Um, yeah. She was just able to sell the house back to us. And then the other one um, had lived in the house and he decided to to stay in the house. Got it. What are the income requirements to participate in this program? And is there like an application process? Oh, yes. And so the the income requirements are um, 80% of area median income. So for example, a family of four would need to make less than 63,000. Um, to be part of the program. Got it. And um, and then also we have down payment assistance, which that AMI is 78%. So, so there's a few programs going on here at one time that have a few different requirements. Um, but my suggestion would be go to our website at newtowncdc.org and fill out an application and send it in. And then we can have the conversation with the applicant on what they're looking for. (laughs) You know, are they looking for community land trusts? Are they just looking to buy a house? Are they Mm -hmm. looking for payment assistance? Are they looking to just fix their credit? (laughs) You know, so there's a lot of options on our housing counseling side. So going to the website, filling out the application is is the first step. That's really great. So Newtown provides, it it isn't just the community land trust program. There's also, there's housing counselors as staff that provide a variety of services, some of which include helping you improve your credit, uh, giving you advice about purchasing a home or entering the community land trust. Is that true? Yes, yes. We are also a HUD approved housing counseling agency. So we kind of have two sides of the house. Um, we have the housing counseling side, and then we have the CLT and development side um, also. And the housing counselors uh, are will counsel people who don't want to buy a CLT. Um, you know, we, we don't produce enough CLTs um, for affordable housing for the amount of clients that the housing counselors have. Mm-hmm. So even if you want to buy a condo or a townhouse or not a CLT, um, you can still 
use our housing counselors and use down payment assistance through us. Okay, got it. And so given that there are such few community land trust parcels, or that there's so few of them, how do we get to solving the affordable housing crisis if community land trust can only be part of the solution? Yes, <laughs> um, that is the, the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, you know, CLT community land trust is just a tool in the toolbox. This mm. is one way that we're going to ha- have to do it. Um, but we have to work with with other partners too. Um, you know, affordable rental, affordable home ownership go hand in hand. And so we need nonprofits that do the work. Uh, so you know, we have people that build affordable rentals. Um, we have quite a few of them in the valley. Um, but there's only three nonprofits right now doing affordable housing, uh, affordable mm. home ownership. Mm. Um, you know, so we're and we all work together and we're producing units as fast as we possibly can. Um, you know, but you know, we keep just beating the drum of home ownership um, because we we tend to get sidelined by the by the word affordable housing usually gets taken over by affordable rental. Mm. Um, so people just don't necessarily equate affordable housing to affordable homeownership. I also think that we need in, in the Valley more political will, um, not in the Valley, in the whole state, actually, mm-hmm. more political will to fight against the NIMBYism. Mm-hmm. Um, affordable housing is needed. It is needed in this neighborhood. And, and we need more politicians to stand up at city council meetings and town council meetings and and just demand that affordable housing happen in their cities. Yeah, definitely, especially with the construction of the new light rail that is definitely going to displace many poor people and has displaced many poor people, then it's just very obvious that the housing crisis is only going to get worse in the Phoenix area and in larger Arizona. And this is a problem that does need to be addressed now. Yes. And and I will say that there are some cities that are doing it really well. Um, They see the need, they know the need, and they want to do something about it. Um, And then there are cities that don't. And we keep we keep beating on the drum and and just keep pushing for affordable housing. And so, you know, if everybody makes that a priority in a city, then it becomes a priority. Right. it takes the residents and the political will and staff, and it really takes everybody being on the same page. Right. So you mentioned that there's nonprofits that are dedicated to affordable rent. What is the work that they do? And also, could some of this be addressed through legislation? So affordable rental, they um, most of the nonprofits will build uh, apartment complexes. Okay, um, and and use that. Some do mixed um, income rents, and some do just um, affordable rents. Mm-hmm. A lot of the um, low income rentals also have wraparound services and services that are offered to the clients um, because there's usually services needed, especially people coming out of homelessness right. um, into affordable rental. Um, and the legislation uh, question is, you, you know. It's it's funny because when I'm at national conferences and they find out I'm from Arizona, they're like, "How do you do it? <laughs> how, how do you how do you create affordable housing in that state?" Um, and I say that it um, it's it is a, a labor of love, and that's how we create it. 
Um, but yes, there's absolutely legislation that could be passed um, that could help with the affordable housing crisis. Uh, inc- inclusionary zoning in the mm-hmm. state of Arizona is illegal. Um, oh, wow. Can yes, you explain um, what that is? So inclusionary zoning is when a developer goes to a city and they want to develop, let's say, a subdivision mm-hmm. of homeownership. But they want a concession. They want something in return. They want lower taxes. They want they want the city to give them something. Well, then the city can say, okay, we will give you what you want, but we want two of your units in your subdivision to be affordable homeownership. And we are going to have, let's say, Newtown. Newtown will buy those units and they will put them in the land trust and they will manage the buyers of those units. So you're building us two extra units or you're giving us two units so that we can produce affordable housing. Mm-hmm. In in Arizona, it is illegal to tell a developer that. Um, so how's affordable housing negotiated in mixed use developments here? I, it's not. It's just not? <laughs> It is. It's just not. So we are. So for affordable homeownership, we're buying houses off the market or we're building, yeah. building houses and affordable rental. They are building their own apartment complexes. There are no market rate apartment complexes that specifically set aside units to be affordable. Wow. Not in so, Yeah. So that's like really intense economic segregation. And likely racial segregation too, but like explicitly economic segregation, because if you can afford market rate, you're only going to be living in buildings or near people who can afford market rate as well, right? Well, you know, we're doing we're doing a better job, the nonprofit community, of integrating our buildings and our houses into neighborhoods. Um, you know, community land trusts, we, we build how we uh, buy houses off the market. Mm-hmm. So we buy in a, in a neighborhood uh, right, and, right. And, and make that affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, affordable rental is specific and, you know, apartments need to be built in a specific way and close, you know, so close to the road and, you know, so high. And so it's a little harder to get those into neighborhoods. Um, but mm-hmm. But it's something that everyone's looking at. Uh, but, you know, that's one of the things that really needs to be addressed at the city level is the zoning. Right. And zoning for affordable housing and the zoning for, you know, if you're next to the light rail, do you really need two parking spots right. for every unit? <laughs> you know, so, you know, it would addressing the zoning issues on some things would actually benefit uh, the the development community in general, and <laughs> it would give us more buildable space, which would also bring down the rent. And why is why is it that even now developers aren't like how would developers benefit from the zoning changes if it seems like they have the upper hand now in how things are zoned? Uh, they would benefit too because they would be able to build more units. Um, you know, if we can reduce the the need for parking. Oh, because there's some things that just don't make sense. Like there's so much yeah. parking when people likely won't have two cars. And yeah. okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to tell you, I see like um, a Walmart parking lot and the sea of parking lot 
that nobody is using that right. something be built there. Right. <laughs> you know, so you know, it's just land use in general really needs mm-hmm. to be looked at. Yeah. Are the, what are the other zoning issues that you think come into play here that make it difficult to build affordable housing? Well, the parking is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that is what a developer will tell you first and foremost. Um, that creating that much surface parking is taking away from our buildable area. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is when we have to get get a variance for what we can build where we build it. You know the overlays. Yeah. And then what happens is when we go in and you and you need the variance or you need the zoning change, that's when the NIMBYs come out. Right. And yeah. that's when the political will needs to, to come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I was just going to explain really quickly that a variance is when you're kind of applying to the government, you're requesting the ability to be able to zone differently than what the status quo or pre-existing zoning is. Like sometimes, you know, and things will be zoned like this is commercial, this is residential only. Um, And so it's likely that, you know, people who are in... um, a residential only setting or, you know, in a place that has a ton of specifications about how tall a building can be, will have very strong feelings about new affordable development coming into their neighborhood. But it's, it's, it's an unfortunate aspect of human behavior that the not in my backyard sentiment and behavior, but we do need to fight it because the, especially in Arizona and like, the hottest parts of Arizona, it's just, it's not a place where people can be unhoused and like live any kind of well life. And the housing crisis is only getting worse, I think. Um, how, how have you seen the housing crisis progress in the six years that you've worked at Newtown? Um, yeah, the housing crisis was not helped by COVID at all. Um, right. And- You know, so I actually think that we've made more progress in the last three years than we've made in the, you know, 13 that I've worked in affordable housing Um, because people are starting to realize that it's a real problem. So, you know, 13 years ago, you had to convince people affordable housing was a problem. And now everybody knows somebody that has been touched by housing insecurity. Right. You know, it's no longer like this, oh, it's a them problem. Right. You know, this is now and it's being recognized as a problem, a society problem. This isn't a those people problem. So, you know, the the homeless rate has skyrocketed mm-hmm. and, and that needs to be addressed. Um, but, you know, homelessness is a very specific topic <laughs> and, you know, that needs to be handled before we can talk about getting them housed and producing housing for them. Mm -hmm. Um, You mean addressing the root causes of homelessness? Yes, Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And so, you you know, and and homelessness is a problem, not even just in the, in the cities. I mean, it's a problem across the state. It's a problem Mm -hmm. across the nation. So, you know, we need, we do need to get that addressed, but the affordable housing conversation is coming along right after that with, well, now we, we've got everybody stable and there's nowhere for them to go. 
Right. And, you know, we need to be producing more units that way also, but also just people who are getting kicked out of their house or they're, you know, I mean, we're getting it kind of from all sides Mm -hmm. and we just, we need to produce more units. Um, But cities are also starting to make affordable housing and um, addressing the homelessness issue a priority. Um, You know, I'm very lucky that we started in Tempe and we're still we're still office here um, and they have their hometown for all initiative that they're taking us very seriously and they are putting money in it and they're putting you know money where their mouth is. And and they're moving the needle. And I think the rest of the cities in Arizona could could learn from that. What is the what does the initiative involve? So the initiative is called Hometown for All, and it is taking 50 percent of uh, the permit fees that people pay to the city and uh, kind of taking them aside and putting them in a pot to specifically address affordable uh, housing. Mm -hmm. So, so it's a dedicated money source to fund building and buying houses like we do or building houses like we do and building affordable uh, rental, homeownership, homeless shelters. It, it, it runs the gamut. Got it. That is, that is a really important step because as you say, this has been a, a growing crisis. Yes, yes, it has. And, and, and I think cities at the forefront, uh, Tempe is at the forefront of dealing with it, but cities are going to have to start addressing it soon. Um, you know, we, we, were, we were also very lucky to get a parcel of land in Tempe where we're doing our first new building project mm. for estates. And they are 600 square feet. They are very tiny homes, but not a tiny home. <laughs> so, you, you know, they're also letting us get a little creative about what we can build and they're not saying you know you can just build two single family houses here you know let's get creative about what we can put on a on a site and i think that other cities are going to need to look at that too i have heard the tiny houses of the tiny houses development who is the target for those houses like who's the who's like the who's the home home occupant in mind when that was built Yes. Um, so it was um, an RFP from the city and ASU had done some work on that site and come up with kind of a best use. So the city came out with the RFP and wanted the houses to be no larger than 600 square feet. The city so wanted that. The city wanted that. Did they um, explain why? It was based on this project that the, that ASU had done. Okay. Um, because it was the highest and best used for that parcel. Mm-hmm. And actually, we 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 were pretty excited about it um, because, you know, Phoenix, and I think the state in general, has done a really, really good job of building apartments and building single family subdivisions. Mm-hmm. And we've done a horrible job of offering anything in between. So, you know, we have this whole housing continuum that's just missing uh, in in the valley and I think across the state. So we wanted to be able to do something different than an apartment or, you know, a three bedroom house. So the demographic for this project and we are almost sold out. We only have one more unit to sell are um, young people that are hard workers. You do have to qualify for a mortgage. So you do most, you know, our people are working 40 hours a week, doing their job, can qualify for a mortgage. They just can't qualify for an amount 
that houses are going for right now. And so most of the units uh, are single individuals. We have one that is a married couple, um, but the married couple is uh, a little older than the individuals, um, but not by much. But but it's definitely not a family house. It's it's a right a person it's a couple that want to live small. You know that, that want to live that way. Right. Is yes. home ownership attainable for most in the Phoenix or Tempe area? Is is there a lot of people who are in this group who work forty hours, work full time, and can qualify for a mortgage but can't qualify for market rate housing? Yes, <laughs> there are a lot, a lot of those right now, especially because market rate housing, I don't even know how to explain it. I mean, it's not even the house is going for even above market rate, but like the house is not yeah. worth that much and, and people are spending that much on it. Uh, but that's really where we come in. Yeah. Uh, that's really where we can serve our clients the best and provide down payment assistance and help you get a great mortgage. You know, there's a lot, there's some banks right now that are offering down payment assistance themselves. So our housing counselors know what lending products the banks are offering. And sometimes you can even get a better mortgage with the census tract that you're buying in. Um, If you're buying in a low income census tract, they're able to get you a better mortgage. So somebody that is low income, that is, you know, saved, let's say they saved Mm $5,000 and they want to go out and look at a house, pretty, you're pretty much not going to find anything. Um, and and I think there's also this myth that you have to have 20% down. Um, that, yeah, I've that, heard that. Yeah, yeah. That is not necessary um, that you have to have that because that's not attainable. I mean, can, can you imagine you know, <laughs> no. budget and figuring out how to no. save you know, that much money and, and then you just give up? So no, there are mortgages out there that do not need 20% down. There is down payment assistance that's out there that can help people buy houses. Um, and, and there's a way to get it done. It's going to be a little harder than just going and looking at a house and making an offer. Right. Uh, but we work with you and we help you and we will, get, we will get you there. <laughs> we will get you to the finish line. Um, you know, it might take a little longer than you had wanted, but, you know, we always say it's not impossible. Right. It just might take a little longer. Right, right. Why is it that the housing market is so wild right now where houses are going for above market rates and yet there's so many people who can't afford the mortgage market rate as it is? And like, is there, it seems like there's a growing class of multi property owners mm-hmm. who are buying up free properties and that they're not going to the people who actually need to be housed in the first instance. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We've got a few issues going on in the housing market right now. And and some of them would be happening even without COVID. But COVID did put kind of a side burn on the market because people are either staying put mm-hmm. because they don't know the future. They don't know right. what's going to happen right. or they're moving because they realize they need a different layout to their house when everybody's home together all the time. <laughs> right, 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 right. 
And so we've kind of got this weird thing happening where people are like, nope, I'm hunkering down. And then some people are like, if we have to really need a new space, if it's going to be this for years. Yeah. (laughs) We have to live like this with our three kids, but you know, for the next two years, we're going to go nuts. So we have that. And then we also have the pressures from outside our market. I call, you know, I call them uh, the climate refugees from California, um, you know, (laughs) who are coming in. um, Guilty. yeah, they, they just want, they, they're tired of floods and fires and earthquakes and you yeah. know, they're, they're just, they're over it. So coming here where they made a huge profit on their house and they're able to pay more. Right, um, right. Mm-hmm. And then we have on top of that, the investors that are buying up houses and making them rentals. Right. So they're taking them out of the market for the possibility of home ownership. So there, there's a lot that is kind of in this hurricane market we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of factors that went into it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's clear. It's not just one issue, yeah. um, but it is clear to me that it's really, really hard to get a house right now if you're not a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we, and, and we have to fight for houses too. So since we buy houses off the market, we're dealing with that. We're dealing with investors and people who can waive an appraisal or, you know, it's, we, we're in the same boat. So, you know, I'm just saying I'm feeling everybody's same pain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do you keep your offers competitive if you are going against these large investment property owners? Well, the one thing that um, our realtor always makes sure that the other realtor knows is we're a sure thing. If if you accept their offer, we are going to buy that house. Yeah. You know, we're not just making an offer to hold it to see if we can find something better in the time before we close. Right. And that that has happened a few times that uh, the seller came back to us after they didn't accept our offer and say the first offer fell through. Mm. So we're getting a lot of, we've had two houses that we've gotten that way. Um, and then the other is just our amazing realtor just pounding the pavement and explaining mm-hmm. the program, explaining who we are and and what we do with the house. So that that's really just, I mean, I mean, just relationship building really is is the way we're getting around it. Wow. <laughs> well, that's really amazing because that has a very huge feat. You know, I'm I'm proud of our staff and, and we still keep turning, you know, houses. We're still able to buy them. We're rebuying some houses back. We're freeing up other units for home ownership. Um, but, you know, COVID's been interesting in the, for, for a housing counseling, housing development um, nonprofit. Uh, but I would, the phenomenon that happened with COVID, though, is we actually saw more people. So coming to you for help. Yes. But yeah, that makes sense. Not necessarily more people coming to us for help, but more people letting us give them the help because when we we reach more people. Yeah. Because when we were meet in person, we would have clients that just didn't show up for their appointment. Mm. So now that appointment's gone for them. And now anybody else who wanted that appointment. Right. but going to online or over the phone, people are answering their phone. Yeah, right. They're always by their phone. Exactly. And so, and you know, and they don't have to pack up the kids and get to yeah, exactly or, mm-hmm. you know, arrange transportation. So 
Um, so we're able to reach more people than we had um, before COVID. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're helping more people get stable and increase improve their credit and to be able to buy, um, which, which, you know, is a positive direction. Right. Yeah. That's one, one silver lining of, of the need to switch to virtual. <laughs> so we've been talking about how, you are using this community land trust model to help build wealth and to have home ownership be attainable for the average individual, the average Arizonan. But I don't know if we've talked explicitly about what the benefits of home ownership are. And perhaps it's an obvious question, but I wanted to just explicitly spell that out for the listeners. Um, yes. So benefits of home ownership really are building your family and community wealth. Um, it is giving you something that you can pass on or that you can move on from and, and, and take that benefit with you. If you pay a mortgage, you're paying into that house. If you pay rent, it is going outside of your family unit, basically. Right. You know, you're you're sending it out and when you pay a mortgage you're keeping it in mm -hmm. uh, is, is kind of how we look at it uh, there was an amazing study produced by the urban institute um called home ownership is affordable housing by mike lofton mm. it is a great article and i recommend everybody read it because it really does make the case for home ownership because you're you're putting your money into something that is not going to go away right you know, you also have housing stability. No one's going to kick you out because they mm -hmm. can get a higher rent than you're, than you're giving. Right. You know, but also, you know, he calls it the housing big boom. When you pay off that house, that's it. It's, it's yours. You, you've paid into something now that you don't have to pay into anymore. And you're never going to have rent paid off. <laughs> right. You know? But you can have your house paid off. And then your costs go down drastically because you're paying taxes and insurance and you're not paying into the mortgage anymore. You know, so that's a possibility where rental, that's not a possibility. Right. Um, you know, and, and I mean, and, and the amazing amount of benefits that even come from owning a house, being in the same place all the time. And creating that security, you know, there's studies that your your child's education improves and mm -hmm. your civic engagement improves and health improves because you're not so worried all the time about moving every year. Right. Um, you know, there's there, there's a bunch of uh, benefits on that side, too. But really, for for me and the drum that I beat is the wealth building. Yeah, because I well, we know in this country that that has been racially divided. And we need to get get back to something where we are making a priority to build wealth in neighborhoods of color. Yeah, definitely. As as reparations, because you know, post World War II, when a lot of GIs were were benefited from the bill that passed that made mortgages affordable to them the that bill unfortunately was did not apply to black soldiers who were coming back from the war. And there's just been various times over U.S. history that land theft has occurred. And mm -hmm. it's really critical to 
to include that lens of of repairing that past when thinking about affordable housing. Yes, yes. And, and admitting that it's a problem. Yes, exactly. You know, exactly. Admitting yes. that this 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 is an issue, mm-hmm. you know, and and the bill that was passed that made um, mortgages affordable to GIs that excluded people of color, but it was also people building subdivisions that excluded people of color. So even right. if somebody yes. had the money or somebody could get the mortgage, they couldn't buy in that neighborhood anyway. Exactly. Um, so, so it was really multiple fold how we really screwed screwed that up. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't it wasn't just that it was co- you know codified in law. It literally was also the private discrimination that mm-hmm. that yeah. enforced that that yeah. bill. Yeah, yeah, it, and and you know and the other the other thing that I'd like to address when we're talking about benefits of homeownership, um, you know, and and Mike Lofton says this in his in his report that I think is really important to say is, you know, we need to stop seeing homeownership as a reward for working hard and having money Mm -hmm. and start to see it as a way that a family can be rewarded. (laughs) You know, it's just, we just need to flip that. Um, You know, so housing is a critical need and you shouldn't just get stable housing because you have money. Um, you know, because we've we know and we've learned that if we give an opportunity for a low-income person to buy a house and have stability, they are going to make more money. Right. So let let's look at it the other way, and let's look at the house as the ability to make more money, not the reward for making the money. Yeah, and I and I also wondered. If like, how does people who are disabled fit into this analysis? Like, what about people who are unable to fully provide for themselves to be able to pay market rent, market rate rent? Like, how does that figure into Newtown CDC's vision of the future? Uh, So we do have um, right now, we have uh, some houses that we have modified to be ADA uh, because of the person that was buying it needed it. And and we were able to do that. Um, We have a uh, accessible unit in our new development uh, in Tempe micro estates. Uh, And we have um, quite a few seniors on social security. And the benefit to that is their rent's not going up when they own a house. <laughs> so yeah, mm-hmm. on a fixed yeah. income. It makes, makes you less vulnerable to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, when you're on a fixed income, um, you really need that, that stability of knowing what the mortgage payment's going to be the next year. Mm-hmm. So we aren't explicitly um, addressing it on that level, yeah. but we are more addressing it on a client by client level. What do you envision for the future of Newtown CDC? I envision a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> future of Newtown. Um, so we have primarily been uh, buying houses and developing in the East Valley. And we were recently um, given a grant uh, to buy in Phoenix uh, and Peoria and Glendale. And so we are. We are, we are moving to the west side 
Um, Because it's just important for people on the west side of the valley to own a house (laughs) as it is on the east side. Um, So we're really expanding our geography. Mm -hmm. Uh, really the push that we're going through right now. Wickenburg has a huge need for affordable housing. And Wickenburg is still in Maricopa County. I was a little surprised to find that out. Um, but, you know, we're, we really want to expand the, the opportunities for people to become homeowners and, and the geography. And we're going to look at doing more new building just because we just need more units. You know, we can produce affordable housing units when we buy houses, but that also takes that unit off the market and we still need more units. So we can't just keep rebuying what we've already got. Yeah, definitely. You need more land parcels. Yes. Yes. And so new building and expansion of geography um, is really going to be our focus for, for the next five years. That's really exciting. I had one last question about the tiny houses. Mm-hmm. So is it, are these intended to be temporary or are they marketed towards people who don't plan on expand, like expanding a family or living with another person? So both, because we do have some clients that bought that we see them staying there. Um, you know, I mean, in all homeownership opportunities, you know, this exists. And so there are people that we do know will move on and, and you know, have a family and and this is temporary, but not for not everybody. Um, not everybody will do that. Um, so and, and you live in the house as long as you want. You know, you bought it. You're paying the mortgage. We just buy it back from you when you want to sell it. So I would say probably half and half. Okay. Yeah, I guess I was kind of thinking through that about what kind of long-term planning people have to do before they make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the the problem with deciding to buy or not in this market is then you're opening yourself up to be vulnerable to rental. So if this is what you can buy right now, it is a better option. It's more secure. It is much more secure and cheaper to, to own right now than to rent. So even if people long-term know that they're not going to live there long-term, it's still the best option for them right now. And it does still allow them to wealth build because of that, that 25% appreciation that you mentioned, right? Yep, absolutely. That's really great. Well, Stephanie, those are all the questions that I had. Did I miss anything? Uh, No, I think I got everything out that I had highlighted to say. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and teaching us about community land trusts and all the work that you're doing. It's really, it was really great to speak with you. And thank you so much for inviting me. I love to talk about affordable housing and and get it out there and make it a conversation. Uh, So thank you for inviting, inviting me. And, you know, if anybody wants to follow up, go to our website um, and get a hold of us. Perfect. What's the website? Newtowncdc.org. Okay, perfect. All right. Thanks, Stephanie. Bye, everybody.